0: Welcome to The Junk Drawer. Joseph Gordon-Levitt sees the tweet and replies, watch it again, it's mostly Tom's fault.
1: How's the body? Great body. (laughs) (laughs) No,
0: the dead body. The dead body.
1: I'll give you 20 minutes.
0: (laughs) Right, exactly, it's like, all that you need to do is shoot guns and have sex. Uh, I'd give it an 80%.
1: Oh my god.
0: Here's why. You know the differences between y'all and me? I make this look good. It's finally time. To open the junk drawer. So, ladies and gents, we are back for another installment of The Junk Drawer. I am your weekly host, Bryce Howell, joined by my co hosts, Mario Arrico.
1: Hello, I wanted to say my own name, but you took that from me. I'm so. sorry.
0: You can say mine. And Cole Brown. Can you take
1: my child? Thank
0: you. Say my two. say my two. <laughs> <laughs> and this week, we are joined for a special <laughs> guest episode with Mr. Dalton Jackson.
1: Hey, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> For the listeners on home, real quick, I wanna say if you're watching, if you can see us, you have three no one can see us. bearded men. They're part of like a bearded guild. Mm-hmm. And they'd have like axes and steeds and then yeah, I'm like the bit bitch hobbit. We'll lead them to the ends of the world.
2: <laughs> yeah. Protect you. Yeah. So uh, you might be in charge of in getting my our match. ale when we
0: come in from our ride.
1: I <laughs> can pour a good Warlord's <laughs> <laughs> so, Jester.
0: This week Joking aside, because this week's going to get real heavy. Real heavy. So with our guest episodes, we always like to let them pick the movie. And so Dalton selected Children of Men, which is from 2006. And um, so I just want to start off because, Dalton, Children of Men is completely different from any of the movies that we've done so far. So I wanted to know, why did you pick Children of Men this week?
3: It's pertinent. Um, There are a lot of scenes in the movie that... Even though this movie was made about 13 years ago, it struck real with me. I actually caught it about six months ago on Netflix. They had it briefly on there for a month, and I forgot about this movie until again until I saw it. And a friend watching it with me couldn't finish it. He he actually told me to turn it off huh. because he was like It's just it just too much. Like, what it, a it bitch! Was, I mean, like it was just too real for him. Yeah. Uh, he actually is affected by a lot of things going on right now I in feel, our country. I and, feel bad now. And yeah, <laughs> well, what a <an> asshole. <laughs> And he was just like, man, this is just too much. Like, I don't see how you could sit through this. But I absolutely love the intensity of it. It's just intense. It's a great, great, thrilling
0: movie. Yeah, that was... And so I hadn't seen it before. Mario, Cole, had y'all seen it before? I've never no. seen it.
1: I had heard of it. Like, I knew I knew it was well regarded. Right. Um, But I, I had yeah, never seen it.
0: Yeah, so I had never seen it before. So I was I was glad that you chose it because it's, it's a movie that, kind of like Mario said, I had heard of before but hadn't seen. And, like, because it's so old now, it's about 12 years old, 13 years old. Um, like it had just basically disappeared into like the the periphery. Um, So I was really glad we watched it. So with that being said, what did we think? Uh, So we're going to do our rating kind of in the same vein that Metacritic does theirs, which with 100 being a perfect movie, a zero being the worst possible movie and a 50 being perfectly average. Cole, we'll start with you. What was your rating of this movie?
2: Uh, So for me, I think that, like you said just now, the Metacritic score of 50 being an average movie has been like a really great point of reference for me, just moving forward in my critique, my critiques of movies in general. Uh, and so this one landed as a 65 for me, so it's wow. above average. Uh, I have some gripes. So worse than too. Daredevil. It is worse than some <laughs> movies.
1: Okay, holy crap.
2: I think Daredevil's worse than Children of Men.
1: Okay, good, good, good. I am wearing a Daredevil shirt if you didn't notice. <laughs> that is true. Our viewers can't Our see it. Our viewers that. can't see it because well, this yeah. is, again, it's I audio for format. <laughs> uh,
0: Mario, what did you give this movie? I kind of cut you off. You good? Oh, the sorry.
1: Daredevil? Oh, okay. Right okay, so I want to preface this with saying I wanted Dalton to be on an episode because I know he's a fan of film, a film, film fan, that's the word. A filmnatic. A film Yes. And so when he was deciding on a movie, when he he picked this one, I was livid inside. I was like, (laughs) fuck. Depressing. I bet it's like a three-hour epic. He said it was kind of like shoddy camera work or like like Cloverfield. I was saying Cloverfield. Like Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. that point of view. Yeah.
0: It's kind of like a newsreel style. Yeah. And
1: so I wasn't going to watch it. I jokingly told the guys, I'm just going to film, cliff note it. Don't have, you know, don't want to be in a negative headspace. I watched the movie. Fucking brilliant. Like, (laughs) Hour forty nine is the runtime. Every scene in the movie is calculated and necessary. They don't waste any screen time. The acting is fucking brilliant. Clive Owen is the most underutilized actor in Hollywood. Like he should be in everything. Julianne Moore is phenomenal. We'll get to her later because they don't use her enough. And it's just cinematography is beautiful. The music is like its own character. Oh, it was like gripping and emotionally investing it was fucking gold i loved it i will give it a, i give it a 91. okay yes
0: that's that's very high dalton what did you say okay
3: so metacritic gave it around an 83 and i honestly have to give it around there too i'm gonna say about an 85. i did just uh just like you said i had my gripes with it too um the sound sometimes it was hard to hear like the mixing sometimes the they're, they are british they're speaking with thick cockney accents yeah like now that that's normally hard to understand but there's explosions going on and all kinds mm-hmm. of other things so it's it's sometimes hard to understand what's going on but if you give it five minutes you kind of catch yourself up yeah but not to just co-signing what mario said i just thought it was brilliant it, i mean i i other than the mixing and the ending which i'm sure we'll get to at some point mm-hmm. I, I thought it was a pretty great movie
0: yeah and i I like that you brought that up because the sound is probably one of my only gripes with it and the whole time I did find myself wondering like, am I just not understanding the Britishness of it or am I not understanding because it's hard to hear. And
3: I've missed points. Um,
0: And like you said, the director doesn't hold your hand at all through the movie. Like, If you miss something, you miss a part of the movie Uh, and we'll talk about that more in a second. Yeah. Um, My rating, (laughs) so again Dalton, glad we watched this because it had kind of disappeared in the yeah, proof. I never would
1: have watched it if you didn't I
0: looked it. up the Wikipedia page before I watched it and, like, saw, like, oh, this is considered to be one of the best movies from that year and one of the greatest science fiction films of all time. And I was like, whoa, okay. Uh, so, uh, high hopes. And sometimes, I mean, when you watch one of our movies, it feels a little bit like homework some of the time. Like, you know, we're busy with other SWAT. stuff. <laughs> and it's like, all right, I got to get it in before we record or else I'm going to look like an idiot. And uh, so I watched it with my wife on like a Sunday night, like after dinner, just like squeezing it in. And I was enthralled from beginning to end. So it wasn't even a great like viewing experience. I wasn't like in the mood and I was obsessed with it from the beginning of the movie (laughs) to the end of the movie. I couldn't look away. So I think this is the best movie we've watched by far. It's not even close. And I gave it a 96 out of 100. I thought it was incredible. I loved
1: it. How good was the beginning? The beginning is just so good with first thirty seconds. the, the youngest kid. The go. Just, oh, my God. It just, Boom. oh, I loved it.
0: It tells you what they need to know, and then it, it gets to it. So our next question, of course. Oh, uh, before we ask, are we sure, which is our next question, Dalton alluded to the uh, Metacritic rating, which was an 84, according to Wikipedia, um, which is a very great Metacritic rating. It symbolizes universal acclaim according to their system. It means if you're going out of 10, it's an 8.5. So, what do you guys think? Are you sure um, with your rating?
1: Who's closest to Penn?
0: Donald.
1: Uh, yeah, 1%. <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: I think, for me, I, I recognize now that my, my rating might be a tad low, um, but hearing y'all's complaints of it so far, that is, those were some of my larger complaints and why it is a 65 for me. And so, I recognize, because I, I read an article about this the other day, actually, that a lot of times movies that are edited for after theater productions, so like Netflix and DVDs. Um, they spend very little time actually doing the sound engineering for those productions. Hmm. And so this probably would have been a far more enjoyable experience in the movie theater where it was actually designed for sound-wise, because uh, I agree that a lot of the stuff was missed for me. And it was hard, because you the movie makes you want to hear everything that's said. <clears throat> yeah, That you have to like pick up on everything that was said. Um, so, I think hearing that, my, re- my rating is probably a little bit low. Um, I also, just as a side, like I loved the premise. I think, like y'all said, the first 30 seconds with quote unquote the youngest person on earth dying and he's 18 years old. You're like, wait, what does that mean? It's like a celebrity.
1: Yeah, um,
2: and just this whole idea of like a post apocalyptic world where infer- infertility is the issue and not zombies is like, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is like actually really scary. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, scarier than you'd think.
0: Yeah, and I think we can get into the themes of it a bit, but like, it gave like such a real sense of hopelessness of yeah. like, compared to like other post-apocalyptic movies, and and I would absolutely. say that post-apocalyptic science fiction is my favorite genre. Mm-hmm. Same. period. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the a, a prevailing theme in a number of those movies and, and books and such is hopelessness, mm-hmm. obviously, but the hopelessness in Children of Men is so like. It under- so so it's daunting. understandable oh. and real like everybody's like we're going to die and that's it and like we know it and that's like i mean that's depressing yeah, yeah there's uh, no sense
2: of like oh there's a fort in North Carolina where everybody's held up yeah. against these zombies we're going to be fine if we get to they're the
3: fort they're passing out suicide
1: kits. yeah, yeah. yeah right. Go ahead, literally go it's care. a marketable company it's yeah. funny i uh i probably imbued this into my viewing experience but i thought there was some christian undertones and i don't want to get too preachy but it made you value like God's given right of life and how precious that is. And they never really delve into why people are infertile, right. which at first I was like, oh, I really want to know. But then as the movie went on, I'm like, I don't need to know. Right. The plot is simple. I like that it's this guy protecting the last human baby, essentially. Um, and it just made you like really aware of, for me, I was like, oh, my God. Imagine living there, being in that time. You're not affected because you're living the same life you're going to live. You have the same number of years, yeah, right? A yeah. But, like, it makes you think, like, oh, my God, how precious I was selected to live, whereas our generation, our, our race is going to end. Like, it was just terrifying.
0: There's definitely a lot of religious symbolism as well, um, like you allude to. Like, we see the religious groups responding in different ways throughout the movies. But also, I think, like you said, like, it's cool that they don't explain why. And it seems like the characters aren't 100% sure why this happened, like, scientifically. And it feels unimportant. Like, yeah. to the movie, like you said. Like, as you're watching it, you're like, I, it doesn't really matter eventually. Yeah. Um, my only comment with Are We Sure, that I always kind of think of, is the average rating, again, is a 84 out of 100, which is very high. But my always thought with that is, like, so what's the 16 that keeps it from 100? And I think mm-hmm. that's kind Because, of, like, my complaint, again, is just with the the sound in a few spots where it's hard to hear. And I think Cole's probably right. It probably was a better audio experience in a theater, which is how all of these are intended to be viewed, not on Netflix, not on DVD, but in a theater. Um, and so I I think that that didn't really deter me. Like I mentioned, I watched it with my wife, so she made me a couple times go, pause. What just happened? And so I'd have to explain the conversation that just Sick. occurred because it was rapid um, and sometimes quiet.
1: So I think I, <clears throat> I kind of know where the 16 goes. I feel like this genre is not always well represented by critics or well. Well received, because some critics can identify that it's a enjoy, like it's a good movie, but they don't like that dystopian genre. They think it's weird, and you can watch this movie as a regular film goer and be like, "Oh, that was weird. Like, I don't think it was good." Um, for me personally, and I always used to bash you guys about you have to enjoy a movie to have to think it's good. I didn't necessarily find enjoyment out of like, "Oh, I can't wait to watch this movie." It had a different impact on me where I can realize this is why this movie is so good because it's just a work of art. And I think some critics can, they don't watch a lot of movies like that as I would say and they just think it's a weird, it's just different.
0: Yeah. So, I think um, that that's probably mostly true. Uh, They probably are pretty harsh on these types of movies but I also did feel at times like, like we said, the hopelessness definitely being a theme but like, As Clive Owen's character becomes more hopeful, the movie feels more hopeful as well. Uh, And so it's not like like a movie like The Road, which is just
1: bleak. It didn't seem gray the entire time.
0: So, with my question of where is the 16 points at, uh, our next question, our next category is what is the most efficient fix to this movie? So, Dalton, you were pretty much dead on what Metacritic said, so if you wanted that movie to be a 100, what do you change?
3: The sound. I, 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 I literally after every after everything I watched in that movie, it like you guys have said, it pulls you in from the moment you start watching. You you care about what happens next, but you're almost watching it as uh, another character, just kind of standing by. And if you miss a conversation, it's okay because Clive Owen's going to pull you along, and five minutes later, you're going to kind of understand where you are. You know Yeah. What I mean? um, th- th- i'm kind of lost at that 16 points because other than that you know that's that's the movie's great you right know? i think i think mario had a point i think dystopian movies are sometimes kind of shunned because of that hopelessness that they give you and if people aren't really ready for it it's too much yeah and not only is this movie just full of hopelessness they make sure that you you can't imagine any kind of future for the character at first and then he finds this person, we'll get to that later, and then, you, like you said, he begins to feel more hopeful, the movie begins to feel more hopeful, and suddenly there's this possible outcome that, uh, oh my god, they're not gonna end in this complete terrorism, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's really hard to find where that 16 points went, honestly to me.
0: Yeah. So cool, <clears throat> you had it a little bit lower, and you've talked about it a little bit as well, so what would you do to fix the movie efficiently?
2: Yes, I think I can find 16 points here, or for me, be 35 points. <laughs> um, so 35 points for me. I think a big one initially with watching it is maybe dissimilar to your comment, Bryce, where as we see Theo, Clive Owen become more optimistic and hopeful, you feel more optimistic and hopeful as a viewer. Um, that I would say that didn't hold true from my viewing experience in that this movie just felt bleak for a lot of it. And it's fine for a movie to be bleak for a lot of it, but I think a lot of times what happens in this movie is when you go from really tough situation to tougher situation, because you just went from bad to worse, to worse, to worse. Uh, it begins, you kind of begin to get desensitized to like it's the terrible. crap in the mire of what's happening. And so my gripe is they give you a few very hopeful scenes. Like they're all having a meal together or, uh, the child is born. Um, and both those times I feel like they don't let it breathe long enough for it to actually be enjoyed. And maybe that's, it's his point is to say, look, this world is never going to be great. Like even, even the 10 minutes you get of like joy is a blessing. And so salvage those 10 minutes. But for me, I think, I think I would just spend more time in the happy so that the down times can feel all the more impactful and real. Um, And then I think another just small one is, is this is, it says the beginning 2027, so it's set in the future from 2006. Uh, obviously, only eight years in the future from now. Um, but it's funny sometimes just to see the imagined future in movies like this uh, because some of the tech looks very futuristic and looks like, yeah, this could be 2027. And then other times it just looks like a Subaru that's been painted a different color.
1: Yeah, the cars didn't, I don't understand how that went, how the vehicles went to shit.
3: I feel like that was just the scene of the economy. They stopped making yeah. new cars, yeah, people right. stopped giving a shit. You know?
1: Yeah, yeah right.
2: maybe yeah. so. But yeah, so my biggest thing is just let, let, there be, let me enjoy happy times longer before you go right back into the mire.
0: Okay. Mario?
1: Yeah, um, I can kind of piggyback off that. Um, I actually call found that to be the reason why I enjoyed the movie more. Um, part of me yearned for that happiness because, as a human being, I wanted that ending. But talking briefly about the ending, because I'm sure we'll get there, this movie, for me, ended exactly how it needed to end. Clive Owen completes his mission, getting this girl a uh, key to the boat. He has to die. Like, that was his purpose in the movie. It was perfect. And the boat is labeled tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, symbolism for better tomorrow. And it just ends. And part of me is like, oh, I want to see them move on. But at the same time, it makes me respect the decision so much more. It also makes me respect that the little positives they had, they're, like, brilliant. So the moments he had with Michael Caine, right? When Michael Caine's sure. like... He puts the song on. It's that yeah. weird song. Like, to me, I was like, oh, you can look back and move and be like, that was their only hope that they had. They had each other. They had to look back. They had to reminisce. Um, so i went down on a tangent. So my, be- my best scene, or uh, my fish and fix, sorry. Um, I didn't have many problems with the movie. I thought one thing that I didn't, I found myself kind of upset about is how fast they killed Julianne Moore's character. Mm. I think she is Highly fucking dynamite in anything mm-hmm. she's in. And in this movie in particular... They could have used her. Oh, I just loved the relationship that they have with Clive Owen. And I wanted more. I wanted less, but I wanted more at the same there time. There were room for more
3: scenes with her, yeah. I wanted
1: a little bit of a flashback as to what the relationship was like and maybe a little emotional pull as to how their son died. You got that in small amounts. If
3: you're, if you're looking for it, there are pictures and there's like clips. I think one time, even going through... I think his name was Sid, the guy played by Michael Caine. Jasper. Jasper, Jasper right. Sid's uh, the police officer. Yeah, right. right. Uh, he they're they're panning through all the stuff showing you just get his backstory real quick right there. He's a political columnist, does political cartoons. Yeah. His wife was an activist, you know, just from passing through that, and then you see Julianne Moore and you know yeah. Theo with their baby.
1: So you know? I was I was like, Are you Are you kidding me? When she gets killed. Like that's what I said. They're doing that cute, they're spitting the ping pong ball yeah. back and forth. And I'm like, I, I want these two to get together. Um so I would cut out the end scene when he's like running through that house to find Key with the baby got a little dragged out for me. It was super intense, but I would cut that a little bit and add in some more uh, scenes just about Clive Owens and Julia Moore's relationship.
0: Um, so we can actually, you touched on it, Mario. We can talk about the ending here a little bit because okay. I'm interested to know did we like the ending? So the movie ends very ambiguously. Uh, Clive Owen gets Key, the, the mother of the only child in 18 years, out to sea. To a boat that they think is going to take them to a safer place. A the Human, human project, project, called a the Human jinx. Project. Jinx.
1: <laughs> Go buy me uh, a soda.
0: But it's very I'm ambiguous. <laughs> it's ambiguous if the Human Project even exists. The entire movie, um, and so that's how it ends. Yeah, like who
1: are these guys in the boat? They right. could just be terrorists. And
0: so it does leave it very open ended. So did we like that?
3: I personally didn't. I, I, I wanted. I wanted another little slice. I wanted a little bit more information, but. At the same time that I didn't like that, I understand why the director used that and left it ambiguous and left it open-ended, and just left you seeing tomorrow on the side of the boat, and then that was it. You know, it was it was a perfect flash into such an intense movie. But I don't think I really agreed with his use of that. No, <laughs> I, I, want, and I want I wanted more. I wanted to know like, did they what happened? Who was on the boat? I wanted yeah. to know more about the Human Project. You know,
1: but I think it did its purpose. I see what they did there. Do you mind if I counter? Absolutely. Um, I actually, so I touched briefly on it. I loved the ending. It's I hated that it ended that way, but in retrospect, I think it was perfect because, like I said, Clive Owen's character, I think, had the perfect arc, and that was his... Like, he lost Julianne Moore, right? That was the only person he really loved. And Jasper, he lost her. I thought this was his perfect way to get out of the movie. Um, it reminded me, speaking of dystopian futures, one of my favorite movies is Blade Runner 2049. And that ends ambiguously with Ryan Gosling's character, who you th- you presume is dead. He's dying on the steps, and it's snowing. And Harrison Ford meets his his daughter, or um, yeah. And so you think, oh, I want him to live, but it ends in a way that you like. This has to end this way. For me, it was great that the theme of hopelessness and potential hope rings so true to that ending because you're. It's kind of like Inception. Like, is this real or is this fake? Right. You're like, okay. Did they get, did they achieve hope or is this just going to turn out to be something that they don't want it to be?
2: Yeah. yeah. I think the ambiguous end is a trope in movies that is definitely um, polarizing because there's there's prime examples in my mind of movies that did it really, really well and then examples of movies that did it really poorly. So I think like peak version of the open-ended ending is a movie like Inception with Uh, him spinning his totem at the end and you don't know if it stops or not Uh, and it lets you the viewer decide what is really happening there Um, and I think it's at its worst in the movie I think it's called The Breakup with Vince Vaughn and Jennifer (laughs) (laughs) Aniston yeah where I don't need them to bump into each other at all yeah for I that the movie could just end it with both of them going on to their separate lives but for them to bump in and then you don't get anything of like this relationship reestablished or let to the wayside. I'm like, yes, all no that purpose. was was just annoying. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but in this case, I think it was really effective. I, I, I thought leaving it open and like that was strong. Yes. I don't, I don't need
0: the answer said for me there. Yeah, I think any answer might affect the tone of the movie and the yeah, quality of the movie. You're right because a bad answer makes it feel too bleak, and I think it really would
3: have tarnished the quality of the movie. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Why didn't I worse. just watch like, this? Exactly. And mm-hmm. as much as I didn't like it, I do see you're, you guys are right that yeah. it was it was effective.
0: Man, I think a happy ending also feels out of place. Like they pull her up and they're like, welcome to the human project. And you're Is like- It's
3: just a boat full of babies? <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, we're the
1: babies. <laughs> One more. You keep your money. I want your baby. Yeah.
0: Like, so- Dapper, lady. <laughs> I think because of the tone and theme of the movie, like a lot of dystopian films, and and novels choose to end with an ambiguous ending for that reason because usually the tone and theme you've set is a darker one, but you don't want to like crush your audience with a a hopeless ending most of the time. Some of them do. Um, And you don't want to like undercut everything you've said by being like, but now everything's going to be fine.
1: Uh, But can we agree that endings like that in movies, even if we hate them, they keep us talking about the movie. Absolutely. That's also true. Right? They linger. It was effective for sure.
0: Yeah. So uh, instead of best scene, we always like to talk about which scene would you show to someone to convince them to watch this movie? Mm. So it could be the best scene, or it could be what you think is the most exciting or interesting scene. So Dalton, what did you think is the, the best scene to sell Children of Men?
3: Hard, hard torn between the first minute yeah. You know, like, I I, would yes. like, I could show that to someone. I yes. oh, could also immediately turn them off, a terrorist attack. No, no thanks, a little too real, bud. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Or his scene talking to Jasper, the second scene, when they have the babies, mm-hmm. or, they, or not had the babies, when they have he there and her, her midwife and the, the, yes. doing the strawberry cough thing again, and he's like, nobody knows what happened. And they're just really going on about it and get a more Gosh. effective explanation of it, and then...
2: That He's, scene is brutal. He
3: loses Jasper. They like you his know? his kind of
2: monologue between of chance and faith. Like, oh, it's brutal. Yes. Yeah. It's and tough. And like it's a tough scene.
3: God. And then probably clip it right with the ringing and the banging and them all getting up and having it out of there and then about 30 seconds later, you know, yeah. um I forget uh the guy's name. He pulls up and wants to know where they are. Luke. And Patrick. Uh, Patrick's the one with the dread. Sorry. No, Luke Patrick's the one with the dread. Charlie Hedman. By Charlie Hedman. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, but he comes up, and even in the face of all that, Jasper is still like, hey, pull my finger. Yeah. He blows off his, I think he blows off his yeah, finger the first yeah. time. And he still does it again, because he's. I think he's already taken his quietus, and he knows he's going to pass. So he goes out there to go give them that little bit of extra time. I would almost show them that scene, too, that yeah. entire monologue than that.
1: Yeah. That could be gripping yeah. to pull them in. I'm glad you said a lot of scenes, because I am notorious for not being able to pick <laughs> one scene. So <laughs> this movie... Um, doesn't have a best scene. Like I said earlier, all the scenes are effective and they're all meaningful and I think they're all, they are all serve a purpose. But I don't think there's one scene that's the best if you're trying to sell someone on this. So I also think the beginning is... all. Oh, you're either going to love it right there or you're going to hate it. lady comes walking out of a coffee shop holding yeah. her arm. Um, but cut your yeah. back Some of yeah. the scenes in the movie... And I, again, I don't mean to... <laughs> a couple weeks ago I told Bryce that movies mean a lot to me if after I've watched them... I can rethink about, like, oh, my God, that was more than a movie. I almost got emotional a lot of the scenes. Dude, Clive Owen is freaking unbelievable at conveying emotion and hopelessness. Um, That's, and yeah, go ahead. One of the scenes that I would choose is the last scene on the boat. When he's freaking bleeding out and he's telling her how to swaddle the child and how to console the baby and stuff, it's just so, like, He knows he's dying. And he's like, this is what you need to do to save humanity. Like, take care of this baby. Um, So I would show that. And then I also would show the first encounter with Jasper when you get a glimpse of, okay, what do these people have to live for? Now that human race is ending. Oh, they still have each other. They still get to reminisce. They still smoke weed and find time to enjoy each other. Play noise Um, music. And I think the last thing, I would do little snippets of Clive Owen's shoes play huge symbolism in this yeah. movie. Huge. And so I would like the little scenes where he goes from like his shoes to the flip-flops to someone else's sneakers. Right. Like it was just, God, it's so it was good.
0: The shoes were a great little motif throughout the movie.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Cole? So I do have a best scene that I think is singularly best right scene.
1: Uh,
2: I think the scene in the apartment complex at the very end when they're in the refugee camp and the baby's now been born. And they go back and forth with basically who has control over the baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're like really, really fearful for the, the climax of the movie here. Uh, and so there's this part where Theo, Clive Owen, goes up to Key, uh, who is Claire Hope uh, Ashati I think is her name, is her I name. saying. God, she's so good. At this movie. Um, she's really great in this movie too. But he goes and grabs her, and there's like truly a war zone going on. There's tanks out in the street. There's bazookas going off, machine gun fire like people are just dying in the apartment complex, like just innocent bystanders. And all of a sudden the cry of this baby makes everybody yeah. pause. Oh God, it's so like everybody. everybody in the apartment complex is frozen. uh, uh Gilafor, even like oh, goes so back and good. forth between like, I, I want to stop you, but like I can't stop so a no, baby. I, I like, have a sister. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you have this moment where they even then go down the stairs and you see this army that's there to kill everybody in the apartment complex stops as well and so you get this moment of like real pause of like that's how dramatic the first child in 18 years is it has literally stopped a battlefield yeah and i think that scene is also so strong because it, it gets interrupted perfectly with another rpg goes shot through the window and yeah. it goes right back into yeah. chaos yeah. as they escape into the out. streets so that's yeah. my, that's my best
1: scene here. can we real quick um how do you pronounce his name
2: <laughs> true it's Four.
1: yes Explain a little bit. They were against Julianne Moore, technically, right? They yeah. wanted the baby for so themselves. So what?
3: So what you can gather from Patrick's character rolling back up when he was not supposed to that yeah. night with the bike and his dickles cousin and, and all that yeah. good stuff. Julianne had, or what was her name in the movie? Julian. Oh yeah, that's okay. right. Yeah, um, had a different vision for their for their project's future. Okay. And she really wanted to get. That baby out of Britain, they need Britain. to get out of there. Okay. Um, it, it, they're gonna die. You know, just as you can see in the scene you just listed, they're liquidating ghettos. Like, they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're. This baby could die. Where his character wants this, this resistance to have a baby, oh, okay. right. to have the power of the first child in 18 years, and and the support that would bring. Okay, and yeah. So the, he's he wants it so much that yeah, he would even kill. So them. they
0: staged her death, pretty much. No, they, yes, no, yes, yes they, okay. they, to, to yeah.
3: try to win, to just trick everyone, yeah, yeah. Right? get
1: her out of the way. Bastard.
0: And so he, he uses that to try and keep the baby in Britain to use as a yeah. political tool. Yeah. Um, but Cole, your favorite scene, your best scene uh, was my runner up. I wanted to pick it because like you said, I, like there's just a moment where you're watching that scene and you're just like, and it's this long, continuous shot. Chaos. And it goes from chaos to complete calm, and it's it's like truly beautiful. Yeah. Like, the extras that they have in this scene, acting like their faces sing the baby, and like they just want to touch it for a second. Yeah. And even yeah. the soldiers, like one of the soldiers crosses themselves and takes a knee. It is just like a very. Literally, there's a part in that scene where an extra gets shot in the background, and nobody reacts to it because they're still that transfixed yeah. on a baby. Huh. Right. It, it's it's it is a remarkable scene, but I didn't want to pick it because I thought. If I was showing somebody this to sell the movie, it feels a little too spoilery, which I know I we've gotten that into too. in the past.
1: Best way to kill that scene, too, is if you throw in the SpongeBob. My leg! My <laughs> leg! <Sorry>. Um,
0: <laughs> but my that,
3: I agree there, too, though. That was an amazing scene. Yeah. yeah.
0: My, my best scene to sell the movie, though, is the... I call it the car chase scene, It uh, also Julian's death, which transitions, again, from okay. like kind of the cute oh, humanness so of it all with the ping-pong ball to, oh, why is there a flaming car in the road, to just... Thousands of people all of a sudden attacking them and throwing rocks at them. You later find out it was staged. Julian gets shot, and it's like so well shot. You feel like you are in the car with them as they're shooting it. It feels like you're in the middle seat with Key, and like you are freaking out, and like you don't know what's 100% happening. Um, And I feel like that's a great scene to show someone to be like, this is the movie, Um, because it's an excellent scene.
1: Oh, an honorable mention, too. It was so, oh, like. It's terrifying goosebumps when they get to that school and keys on the swings because as soon as I get there i'm like oh my god i just realized this school is dilapidated and deserted because they don't need schools, they don't need schools, schools. And yeah, like absolutely. it's terrifying
3: yeah. there's a beautiful scene there right uh as uh, she's sitting out on the swings um this is just another testament to the cinematography of the movie like they they pan over and they're both having a, a talk uh, I cannot remember the name of the woman, uh, her midwife. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I love. A. I want to take a side note there. Her beautiful mixture of religions. Like they're kind of just going. That's like kind of ubiquitous throughout the entire movie. Everybody's just going with whatever works now. We're yeah, yeah, right. trying right. everything. We're not right. having babies, so like cross yourself, say your any religion works. Yeah, and whatever, whatever
0: gets the, babies back.
3: Yeah, and you know make sure to pray to Buddha too. Like everybody's doing everything, uh, and she's in there talking to Clive Owen in this. You know, like you said, in this dilapidated school room. Yeah. And in this, like, perfect crack in one of the windows, there's just this, you know, that you can see through, and you see her sitting out on the swing, and they're just, it's a still image of them just talking about how she used to be a nurse, and then she noticed the logs weren't full for new pregnancies, oh. and then that, you know, they started, you know, having more and more, um, uh, the Miscarriages. Weren't this, yeah, weren't coming to full term, they're having more he, miscarriages. He,
1: in that scene, he starts to trust her. Pablo yeah. starts to yeah. respect right. her. Right
3: and see what's going on there and it
1: brought so much to her character that when she gets inevitably murdered right? we well, don't see her getting murdered. I know but he's black they're, they're and all around. like they're all lined up and you just I just assume but, something bad happens yeah when she gets taken off you're like oh no that's gonna deliver the baby that's another thing like
3: going back to the hopelessness you, you never know when you're last seen with a person in this movie yeah ends. yeah, yeah. And, and like she's been there with key the entire time all of a sudden there's a minor discourse on a bus gone yeah, yeah. it's just you and
0: Theo We also say, is there a scene that, it's not the worst scene, but is there a scene that messes up the movie? Like, is there a part of the movie, I I guess it would be worst scene for this one, because we've agreed this is (laughs) largely a good film. So, what scene affects the movie negatively the most? Dom? Uh,
3: I I cannot think of one. Something Mario said early on was that every second of this film is necessary. Like, there's a detail in something, there's something being explained if you're there, if you're paying attention to it. Um... Uh, it, there's, there's, I can't think of one. I mean, I got, going back to my opinion of the end. I mean, I wish like it got more there, but again, I saw the effectiveness of that. But right. I don't, I don't, I don't think there's a scene in this that is bad. I don't think there was a
0: worst one to me. Yeah, I think for me the only one that's like a negative is the scene where it's the reveal that that Luke and the bikers framed Julian's murder, like we were talking about. Not that it's not necessary, like Mario said, but. That's one of the scenes where the biker rolls up and you connect the biker in your mind. So you think that's what's going on. But you're trying so hard with Clive Owen to hear the conversation. And, and that's one where I felt the sound the most hurt. because you, That
1: was intentional probably.
0: I think it was, but I think it negatively affects... That was one of the scenes where my wife had to say, Stop. What did they just say? And I had to explain it to her. And I said, I think they said that they killed Julian. But I'm going to double check and so I pulled up the plot summary on Wikipedia to make sure and then I was like yeah that is what happened and then I had play again so I do think it was intentional but I think at least for us viewing it like we said maybe it's more uh, audible in a theater but for me doing it via DVD it was difficult to hear and that's a tremendously important plot point that needs to be executed so that people understand and we're going to talk more about the director and how he doesn't hold your hand through the movie we've mentioned it already um, and I think that's great. It, it rewards a smart viewer, but in that case, like, I mean, I had the volume turned up to almost 80 on my TV and I was like, Huh? To hear Yeah. Every time I
3: watch <laughs> this movie, that's been a problem. And I would say the same thing that that is one of the moments where you, you experience it the worst because you're right. Clive Owen is sneaking around this house. He's barefoot. He's gone from outside listening through a window trying to understand the conversation. So it's already muffled to walking, being about three rooms away listening, and you have to like basically blast your stereo to hear one of the most major plot points in the
0: movie.
1: Yeah. See, but I to me, I thought it was a choice because he, like you mentioned this earlier. But I mean, I think it he, is a choice. Yeah, I just yeah, think yeah. it's
0: a choice that, I think because they, it's difficult to hear, doesn't be as In effective. a sense,
1: Clive is your narrator, right? Because he then goes and explains. Right. right off. He goes, they killed her, we got to get out of here. I'm like, oh, okay.
2: Yeah. Right, okay. I think for me, I do have a worst scene. Um, and it's funny, it's right after that time with, with their escape. Uh, so I love... There is intensity to Clive Owen sneaking around and taking the keys out of one of the cars and mm-hmm. uh, taking the battery uh, connector off the other car um, and then getting into the final car and trying to start it. And he realizes it's not going to start. But I think it's, it's done... So in a way to try to feel very climactic that comes off a little comedic, and so when he yeah, is literally trying to get it to jump start, to the point that he has to get out and push it, which feels intense the first time, but then he has to get a different time to make it actually start finally. Uh, and then she hot wires. And then at one point there, no, well technically it was really what is happening. It's a yeah. manual transmission. He is truly push starting oh, the vehicle. Okay,
1: okay, so
2: she's trying to drop the clutch in as he's pushing it. But there's even a part in that scene where Patrick, the head henchman guy, is sprinting next to the car with a gun to Clive Owen's head, saying, should I shoot him? Which I don't see why he does not just pull the trigger there. There's no... Because Luke said, do not shoot yeah. at the car because Key is in the car. He just... I would say he says, don't shoot at the car, yes, because Key's in the car. But in that moment, he's literally jogging at the at the driver door window with a gun to the side of Clive Owen's head, saying, should I pull the trigger? Yeah, but... And I know just earlier... Um, What's his name? What does tells act like his character's name? Luke. 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 Luke tells him, like, if you ever act outside of what is protocol again, I'll kill you. And he has a gun to his head at, at that time. So, like, you get some intensity there. But I feel like there's nothing about Clive Owen's character based off of their understanding
0: of who he is that needs to preserve his life in that moment. They're not trying to prefer, preserve Clive Owen's life. They're trying to preserve Key's life.
1: No, but Cole makes a good point. In that moment, he specifically says, can I shoot him? And he's got. But
0: eight, he's the only one there. No one can answer the question. He's the, he's, he's fifty yards away from the next just person. About
1: how much? How the gravity?
3: The fact that you will be firing a bullet anywhere near the it, older baby. Left. I saw yeah. it
1: as they still are unaware of how much does this guy mean to Key because Jillian is it Jillian? Julian. Julian. She trusted him, and Key now trusts him. Right. Like she asked his opinion. Well, they were in the also kitchen. just talking about killing them later that day too. But they were yeah. trying to find the right. That,
2: home. That, I think that's my tension is they you hear in the previous scene once we get her away from here we're gonna kill both the wet nurse and Theo and so part of me is like well if you've just Theo. talked about killing him why don't they just kill yeah.
0: him right but I think that comes from it's a more realistic view of guns than other movies where like oh if you shoot at a guy that's the only guy that dies but in real life that's not how guns work bullets ricochet and deflect if. He's, in, he's shooting into a moving car like he could easily accidentally yeah. shoot the pregnant woman the first pregnant woman in 18 years I actually the reason I'm disagreeing with you is I actually thought that scene was very effective because it's so desperate and scrappy. Of them getting away, I thought it really matched the tone of the movie. You, you
1: feel like you're in the seat next to Clyde Owen in that scene. I'm like, like the whole time watching, like, oh my god, what's gonna happen? That's one of those scenes. I'm saying you feel yeah. like a character
3: in yeah. it, and sometimes that you're just sort of like, oh my god, can I get this car yeah. moving? Like when they when he, when Luke has to shoot the cops mm-hmm. right after uh, Julianne dies. And it's the first time that you see Luke kind of snap and you're like, yeah. okay, this guy's crazy. Right. And, you know, Clive Owen gets out to see what he just did. You kind of feel like you're standing behind Clive too. Like, yeah. whoa, this just yep. jumped up a notch. Yeah. You know? he,
0: he serves as the audience a lot because he goes, why did you do that? Yeah. And you're thinking, yeah. Why well,
3: answer the question? <laughs> yeah. And then other, now I've also, I've watched this with a lot of people. The other half of the audience is Luke going, get back in the
1: car. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, like we have to leave now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really have a worse scene either. I just thought, and I, I'll be brief, that scene at the end, I think could, for me, if you had to cut it shorter at the very end of the apartment scene, mm-hmm. cut it shorter and then just get to the... Well, but as a lot we've of talked, chaos there. Yeah, but as we talked about it, it just makes it more so much more impactful when they re- reveal the baby.
3: That's what they were trying... I think that yeah. really runs home how dangerous... Like, you start inside... They had this Orwellian feel to Britain the entire time. If you've ever read 1984. Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, it you got to see what was outside the best of concrete wall. You know, right. like, this is why the inside is so yeah. good, why it's so protected. Anything out there is literally hell, yeah. you know? Yeah.
1: CGI, baby, not the best. Yeah, but the CGI. It's a that product of
3: 2005. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little negative point for me there was yeah. the CGI.
0: And just to go with Orwellian, because that's the common word for any dystopian thing, I, I think the thing I like about it is, like, when you read 1984, if you read it now, like, it, it seems very unlikely, and it seems very impossible. And this seems very plausible mm-hmm. like if some worldwide pandemic uh, happened. like i mean you know people deteriorate into chaos over much less in the real life so um yeah, i think my last i mean
2: as we move on but my last gripe with why that scene stuck out as the worst for me um is i think once finishing the movie it becomes a little bit worse because they do use the trope of clive owen at gunpoint several times where he never actually gets killed and i and i until the end obviously but there's three different times where patrick has him at gunpoint and with orders to kill him once they kind of get out of the area and again like i don't want Owen to die in that way right but i think it loses a little bit of its gravity when he's been held at
0: gunpoint two other yeah. times it, it is a bit like too much of a deus ex machina the i think this is the last time it occurs when he has him at gunpoint and luke says wait till we go around like wait till we get her out of the way because again any bullet deflection, they're terrified yeah. of hitting Key, and they get her around the corner, and then like right as they're he shoots one guy before he shoots Cl- Theo, five and then another. I think they're terrorists that come in. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's the British they, Army. Oh, it is the British yeah. Army that rolls in. Um, but yeah, and that one does feel a little bit like a Deus Ex Machina, like you are talking about. But um, this is this is really a category that I've made for myself, and I called it the more <laughs> uh, the annoying awards bit. Uh, because I care too much about movie awards. I, I, as you can tell, we, we have a podcast about movies, so obviously I like movies a lot. Ah, this is it. <laughs> this is the podcast.
1: Oh, this <laughs> is the one. Okay, It's about uh, movies. And I'm very <laughs>
0: frustrated frequently by the Academy Awards or the Oscars, as they're more commonly known, because I don't think they always do a great job of selecting what was the best movie. And it is hard in the moment to select the best movie. Like you said, this is probably aged super well. Other movies for that year, maybe less so. Um, so this movie only received three Oscar nominations, uh, Best Adapted Screenplay, which is a really big one, Best Cinematography, and Best Film Editing. So they are three significant awards, but it receives only three noms and it doesn't win any of them. So my big question is, did it deserve more? Uh, And I'm going to go with just what was Best Picture from that year, so you kind of get an idea of what movies were big that year. So Best Picture winner was The Departed.
1: Deservedly so.
0: Other nominees for Best Picture. and This is back when they only had five. So if they, maybe if they'd had more, maybe it gets nominated, but they only had five. So the other ones were Babel, Letters from Iwo Jima, Little Miss Sunshine, and The Queen. Um, and I've seen a handful of those. I haven't seen a couple of others. I haven't heard of the other four.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I have heard and know of them all. I think um, I've heard of Little Miss Sunshine, but that's I've it. I've
2: seen
3: Little Miss Sunshine. I've seen um, The Party, but that, the other two Yeah.
1: I'm gonna jump into this, Bryce. Yeah, go for it. Hearing those movies, I don't think this is a great movie. It really is, but I don't think I don't want to say it's not Oscar worthy because it definitely is. I don't think it was made for an Oscar. I don't think it was exactly. I don't think it was made for an Oscar. I think it was made to convey this amazing message, and then the result of it was like this amazing movie. Whereas you watch The Departed, you know Scorsese's like, this is going to be my Oscar movie. Yeah. And that was the best movie of the year. It's still one of the best movies, in my opinion, of all time. Um, Did I think this deserves better? I don't know. I think the categories that it was nominated for are the categories that it should have been nominated for. I don't see it winning a Best Picture in most years. I see it being nominated in a top 10, like 10 that they do now. But uh, I would give some acting accolades. I would have done... Best actor for Clive Owen, maybe best supporting actor. You've seen best supporting actors win more for far less, but I think you can nominate both Michael Caine and Julian Moore, At least get a nomination. But I don't know. I think uh, these categories that you're okay, Claire Hope. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh gosh, yes. Even when she's not speaking, she's acting brilliantly. Yeah. Like you. you when watch she does her. the uh,
2: when he asks who's the father, she goes, "I'm a virgin." Yeah. <laughs> he like, he, like <laughs> pauses and he like doesn't want to laugh. She goes. Nah, fuck if I know. <laughs> yeah.
1: But like, even watching her, it's weird because this is acting, obviously. But you're like, that's exactly how someone in this situation would be. Yep. You know, would She's be. very good. Um, but yeah, best screen, adapted screenplay for sure. Cinematography for sure. It should have won that year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I don't know what won that year. And I the, do. Oh, which one won that year? So that's that's yeah, part of it. So, on?
2: no, I thought. I thought I went through it, and so it loses best adapted screenplay to the part. Sorry, cinematography is Pan's Labyrinth. I know, Labyrinth. I looked that up. So oh. it loses cinematography to Pan's Labyrinth, which apparently I need to watch because it has a 98 on Metacritic. Yes. Which Spoiler. I've never seen it, but it sounds like it the obviously deserved right, it if it's that
1: yeah, highly viral. regarded. Viral. But
2: I think this is the category that I was the most surprised by that it didn't win the nomination that it was nominated for for best cinematography yeah. um, because it is beautiful. Yeah. Like, Visually stimulating, very beautiful. There's scenes where you're in the urban environments and in the refugee camps that feel like you're truly there and it's it's like purposefully under-saturated and desolate and super smog and like crazy. Like there's a part of which
1: they, get into, smog.
2: they get into the boat to escape <laughs> from the refugee camp and you're still not sure they're going to make it because of how intense the fog is on the water. And yeah. That's really incredible. Uh, where... Um, where Michael uh, Kane lives in the woods. Oh, yeah. All the footage that's out in the out in the wilderness is extremely beautiful. looks like looks real to life. So I was surprised that they didn't win. The, like it's, I would be interested to see Pans Labyrinth if it beat this. Yeah,
1: it, it, Knowing Pans Labyrinth, that that's what it's competing with. Yeah, yeah. And Pans Labyrinth wins that. Adapted yeah. screenplay going to the to Departed over this though. Um, I mean, they're both based on one was based on a different film. One was this was based on a book. Um, I heard this was loosely based on the 1992 novel. Yes, i just downloaded it to read it, so we're gonna find yeah. It out. Yeah, well, I, that's, that's one of my tidbits when we'll get to it in a second. Maybe well, it was adapted better. Like The Departed was adapted better for the American audience than this was from the book. I don't. That's know typically
0: not how they evaluate it. No. They just mean what is the best screenplay? Okay. And it used to be just the best screenplay, but then they thought that was unfair, so they made it original, which is complete, like, unrelated to anything else and adapted, which means it comes from something else. So it doesn't okay. mean, is it the best adaptation of that other yeah. project? It just means, what is the best screenplay that isn't completely original?
1: I would, I would have to see how close The Departed is to the original, but, I mean, that's a masterpiece, so I don't fault them. So, anymore.
2: well, my issue there uh, might be similar to, I don't know if this is Bryce's gripe with the Oscars sometimes, but as I was researching who they lost to with all these things, so they lose best edited Film, film editing to The Departed as well. Um, oh. And so the person who edited The Departed is this lady, Thelma Schoonmaker. Oh, who, Schoonmaker. I had to look her up. But she literally is tied for the lead with most times winning of this award specifically. Okay. Yeah. So part of me wonders with the Oscars, is it a pedigree issue where yeah. we have a person who has proven themselves in previous movies and now they're doing another movie. Um, you know, Obviously, she is going to be already included in the mindset of is this the best edited film because it has somebody who's won it before. Um, and I wonder if you know maybe they
0: kind of lose out because they don't have the notoriety of somebody yeah. who's won it before. Um, and I think, uh, uh, Mario, what you said is my big nitpick with the Oscars and the Academy Awards, is you said this movie wasn't made to win an Oscar. And I think you are correct. But it frustrates me that we're making movies to win awards. Yeah. And So like The Departed, like you mentioned The Departed, it, it is great, it might be the best movie that came out that year. Um, but it's not even Scorsese's best movie, but his other better movies didn't win Oscars because it's kind of like a, it's like an old boys club. Like you got to get nominated a couple of times before you can win. Or if we talk about the other movies that were nominated that year are clearly movies that were made to be nominated yep. for best picture. And it's very frustrating to me because those are less enjoyable. Yeah. And, and Children of Men is something that has the gravitas of a movie that should win awards in my opinion. Um. But doesn't pander, which I think is what you're you're kind of getting as well. And I think that's my frustration, especially in the past five years or so. Um, But I think it's kind of happened since Crash, which I think was a couple years before this, which won Best Picture, and uh, and since then it's been like, oh, if you make a movie to win the Oscars, you'll win the Oscars, and that's frustrating to me. And so that's just my little uh, Academy Awards soapbox there. Uh, I wish that we picked movies that people saw to win awards. No, and next week we'll be
1: reviewing The Departed.
0: Although, to be fair, not that many people saw Children of Men when it came out. Uh, it actually lost money at the box office, which we can and that makes that. It, oh, it good.
3: I was kind of surprised by that. I was yep. like, okay, all right. Uh, well, not many people want
1: to go see this after a date night, though. You know, yeah. Like, oh, let's go see this dystopian. You know, a, few a cool days. chick
3: would. really oh, cool. <laughs> it's
1: not got a, a great movie for us
0: tonight, by any stretch.
3: It'll put you in the mood
0: to so, cry. <laughs> to, to try to, to procreate.
3: hey baby want to go? We'll make sure it still works.
1: <laughs> we have to prove to them that we can carry on the We're race. Start the
3: human project. We are the human
1: project.
0: So to continue my annoying, uh, I'm not going to be so annoying now. I'm going to be a little bit uh, film snobby. Pretend. Uh As I well was watching this movie, as Cole's commented, we've all talked about it a couple times. I'm just thinking this movie is so well directed, and it's directed by Alfonso Cuarón, who is a very famous director. Um, And so I I knew the name, I knew a couple films, and by their nature, directors aren't as prolific as uh, actors typically are. Actors might be in two or three films a year. Directors, one film a year tops. But he's been very selective. Uh, And he's Mexican, so he's done some Spanish-language films. But just his most recent four feature-length films, here they are. 2004, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, which is considered the best movie of the Harry Potter movies. 2006 children of men which you might have heard of before and then his next two movies are gravity in 2013 and roma in 2018 which is the first netflix movie to be nominated for best picture so he is pumping out critically acclaimed movies. um he's not doing it super frequently so i guess i shouldn't have said pumping out but that's all he's doing he uh, so doesn't
3: pump much quality over quantity
0: yeah definitely so do you, did you guys feel like it was there maybe one scene or, or a part that you want to talk about where you felt like this is a very well directed movie well borrowing back to the previous category without going back into it one thing yeah. that I found out that was cool is
2: he's literally one of two to date directors who have won the award for best editing um, and so it's him and James Cameron huh. so like I've heard of him. He's he he's a talented
0: director, and he's doing everything himself. Who did yes. Cameron,
1: Cameron yeah. Winford? Terminator? <laughs> I'm
0: not sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty Terminator. sure it's probably Two? for Avatar. Yeah, Avatar.
1: Oh, that was a, that was one of his movies too, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah <laughs> um, one of
0: them. Yeah. But uh, one sorry. So movies. go ahead, Bryce. No, so I'm just asking, like across yeah. the board, like was there a part or a scene or a one thing? one
3: thing that sticks out for me that I, I absolutely love is when he was actually going to get papers from his brother, and he asked to go to the rich side of town. And I don't know if this is a testament to his cinematography, his directing, or what, but everything over there is so extravagant and yeah. just ludicrous. And Literally, a like,
2: lady walks a zebra through there's there. There's a zebra
3: walking
1: through a park. It's like Eagleton in Parks and, uh, and, and uh,
3: it, Rec. Yeah, they get is. up there to the top, and he's got a... Att- I think, doesn't he have David in yeah. his waiting yeah. room? Like, like, yeah. And he's got a broken leg, cause there's, so there's been riots, apparently. Yeah, yeah, And he has this in his sitting room, well, which is a massive you know room, and then there's a pig flying yeah. in the background. It like, reminded me of Watchmen, it? the blimps in Watchmen. Yeah, they were sitting there eating dinner and there's just this big flying pig in the background because the world has gone to shit, so mm-hmm. why not? Yeah. You know, like-
0: so the- and scary. I
2: love that scene too because it's one of the times when he as a director says something overtly enough that nobody misses it and I think it's really strong. As he asks, Theo's talking to, it's his cousin I believe, about basically, how do you press on with all of this oh, yeah, crap in the so world? Good. And he just says kind of smugly,
0: he just goes, I just don't think about it. Yeah. And that's the ultimate like critique of wealth in this movie yep. of like, yeah, it's, I mean, I'm fine. Like, It's not bothering me. Um, and I think the reason they say, well, again, one of the things I like about the director is they never say things outright, but it's implied to me that this rich man has spent his past decade or whatever uh, trying to rescue famous works of art, which is interesting because it seems important at first but then very unimportant if you yeah. think about it for a long time. Which, Given the which, weight of what's happening right, yeah. in the world. Like he's got, uh, he's got a Picasso uh, behind the dining room table as well. Yeah. Um, and so I thought that was interesting too. Yeah.
1: Um, for me, I mean, there's so many scenes. Um, it's funny, Dalton, you told me it was like a, a shaky camera movie at first and mm-hmm. I was kind of, ooh. Um, it's not like Cloverfield where, you, you know, it's not like that. It's not one guy holding the camera, but there are scenes in which you, as the viewer, it's shot in a way that it's like you running along with Clive Owen, right? So it's like there's one scene in particular where he's running to the apartment building to find Key because she's been taken, and uh, Liam Neeson is—no, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he's running. And, Congrats and expl- on that one. Thank you. There's well an explosion. Done. There's blood splattered on the camera lens. Yeah. So you, as the viewer, I'm thinking, okay— Am I supposed to be thinking Clive Owen is being followed by a camera crew or am I supposed to be thinking he's following, I'm with him? Like, it just, I thought about that for a second and then I'm like, oh no, it's just showing you of like, this is chaotic. There's mm-hmm. death everywhere. and like, this is so freaking unbelievable directing that this guy should be handed the keys to the kingdom. Like, <laughs> it, it's just, it's phenomenal. It's funny when you brought up the Harry Potter, that is by far the best Harry yeah. Potter movie. It's too. my favorite Harry Potter yeah, movie, movie by far. One. It's the best It's also the best book in my opinion, but... I'm like, oh, go figure. He would direct the best Harry Potter movie. Like,
2: mm-hmm. Prisoner of Azkaban.
1: Yeah. It's just, uh, yeah, that, that scene in particular really caught my eye. Um, I think the cinematography is so effective that just people sitting and talking was good directing to me, yeah, too. Because absolutely. he sets up the shots so well.
0: Right. And what you're describing about the difference between, like, a Cloverfield and this movie is... Like Cloverfield or Blair Witch Project, which kind of did it, is generally called like found footage, where yes. it feels like it's filmed on a handheld like video corner. Yeah. Uh, where this is more of like a newsreel style, yes. where it seems like you're watching a journalist in a war zone. And that's kind of what you feel like when you're doing, or when you're watching this movie. Fun tangent
1: when I went to see Cloverfield when I was in high school, I think it was a freshman. Had a bunch of Taco Bell before, not realizing what the movie was going to be. <laughs> Got super sick. <laughs> so. <laughs>
2: Um, it does feel exceedingly well directed for me as well. Um, I think the scene you pointed out, Mario, was the only time I really had like an issue was with the blood splatters on the screen. Because uh, up to that point, I agree with like the time where um, Luke shoots the police officers and like you feel like you're stepping out of the car with Clive Owen. Right then, that like it's not breaking of quote unquote like the fourth wall enough that it like kind of takes you out of the movie. And so That's for me, that good. was the first time in the movie when they do the blood splatter where I kind of like had to like, I like literally physically adjusted my seat. Like, oh, I'm not, I'm not a part of this right. <laughs> because like I would wipe my face clean of the blood or like, yeah. you know, it,
0: it kind of, it felt a little heavy handed in just that one time.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and just one last thing I'll say, because I've, I've talked a lot about how great and how well directed I think this is. But um, the other thing I noticed is what I've said a couple times is he doesn't hold your hand. He he shoots the movie. There's no point where Clive Owen pulls the character aside and says, here's what happened to the world. Here's what we're doing next.
1: They don't need to do that.
0: And you you could see a a lesser filmmaker using the scenes between Theo and Jasper to explain everything to you. But it doesn't happen. And I I really enjoy that, like a movie that thinks you're smart enough to keep up. Yeah, And it, it really rewards you. And I think it makes it what might be a rewatchable movie. Again, I've only seen it one time. But because you are rewarded for knowing what's going on more, and it just feels like it feels like a good movie-going experience to have to be a hundred percent paying.
1: Attention. It's a it's a free, it's like a work of art. Yeah,
0: we've it's watched like, movies before where I've been half scrolling my phone and half watching the movie before. Yeah. And right. part of it's because I've seen them before. I did not look at my phone at all. When I Watch this movie. I
3: had to pause Except it. For,
0: if, if yeah, I, I paused to, several yeah. times. I rewound several times.
3: And right. I want to actually touch on something too. Uh, I actually last night for the first time I um, watched it with someone a long time, and they were doing the same thing. Okay, pause. What just happened? Okay, yeah. pause. What just happened? Like if you because she was scrolling her phone too, but <laughs> like if you miss a single five seconds of it, oh god, where'd they go? Yeah. You know like right. what happened?
2: Yeah, I think even just similar to what Bryce said. What happens in a cool way is, for example, one of the questions I had in the movie early on is, okay, what's, what is Theo, Clive Owen's motivation for actually continuing and being a part of this mission? Mm-hmm. Up until the point that he finds out she's actually pregnant. But like prior to that, I'm like, why does he not just leave?
1: Yeah, I felt that too.
2: Um, like, go to your job. You know, and, and part of it's like you, know, you get the sense, okay, why didn't maybe the director explain it to me enough of his motivation and connection to this? But then later, as more of it pieces out, then you realize and you almost get to kind of like backlog his motivation. You get to be like, oh, no wonder he stayed. If like that, you know, he lost his son or lost yeah. their child to you know a similar situation. So like it, it's really well done in that sense. You
1: know, it's funny. Um, that reminded me of early on we were talking about how they never really explain, they never explain how the infertility pand- epidemic happens. And at first you're like, oh, come on, I want to know. But now looking back at it, you're like, I'm so glad that they didn't happen. They just throw you in. And like Bryce, like you said, they expect you to be intelligent enough to follow along with the movie. Because so many times movies like this, when you get this super sci-fi explanation as to how this happened to the world, it's like, oh, come on. It takes body away it, from it. Yeah. yeah. So he's like, look, this is the world that you're in. You're in it now. You're going to go with it. We're going to live with it.
0: So. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, and... and... Yeah, an explanation like that would would take you out of the movie from the, the movie that we were watching. Uh, so, our favorite section, tidbits. So, any internet research this week. Uh, I was gonna say tidbits was sponsored by Quietus, but that felt oh, a little bit too man. dark. Oh. So I said Zoom. What tidbits brought to you by Zoom. Wait,
1: what is Quietus for the? Uh,
0: <laughs> quietus <laughs> is the suicide pill you in the film. Win.
1: You decide um, when. Which
0: was super bleak. <laughs> when oh, I that's what it, it was. Yes. yes.
1: Oh my God! I never <laughs> saw <said> that. <laughs> that's the
3: commercial of this old man just like sitting oh, on like yes. a beach chair, like I was a I was I a bus get up driver. And walk away into the no, no, light that's now. A oh, okay,
0: that's a different commercial. It
3: was like for like Viagra, but this is just like to go out calmly. Yeah. Yeah. That's why right. he
2: walks in the in the yeah. house of Michael Kane and he sees the box. He's like yeah. fearful. He's
1: oh like, yeah, so talk like, about being intelligent enough to watch the movie.
2: You idiot. So. I have uh, one tiddly bit to start us off. Go for it. Sponsored by the Show Zones. us your
1: tidbits, man.
2: Uh, and this is as tiddly bit as it gets for me. Uh, so Clive Owen played King Arthur in a movie called King Arthur, which will be a future junk drawer podcast for me because I love that movie. Uh, but then also Charlie Hunnam, who plays the <laughs> character Patrick, plays King Arthur equally in great junk drawer King movie. Arthur Legend of the Sword. He's also in Pacific Rim. Uh, but yeah, we had both King Arthurs on the on the TV. The Clivo and
1: King
0: Arthur movie is also really good. I would love to talk about that movie in the future. I
1: would love to talk about the other one. I actually enjoyed it. It's like one of the worst movies ever. <laughs> it's a fun watch, though.
0: So. I think they both would fit the category if other people would say it's the
2: worst.
1: Yeah, but yeah. I like it. I think the Owen, I don't know.
0: I, I need to look up Nightly Dear Knightley, yeah. baby. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: So I had a couple tiddly bits. Oh, yeah. Go for it. Um, almost every shot contains an animal in it, specifically a dog. Almost every shot. You want to jump in, Cole?
2: I want to jump in immediately because that's my—that's the gripe I forgot to mention. Is there's no payoff for why he has this connection with animals? I don't get who, it.
1: Wait, who has the director? Or Clive Owen. No. Clive Theo. Owen.
2: Theo. Literally two different times. Another character in the scene says out loud, "Oh, that our dog doesn't usually like people." Or. He doesn't usually get comfortable around, and he's comfortable around Clive Owen. Oh, really then I'm waiting him. for something to happen where there's a payoff of why he has this connection with animals, and it doesn't matter. I think happen.
1: maybe showed a soft. suggestion
3: of how much of a protector he is. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I
2: like and that. And
1: to me, it was like, what do you turn to if you don't have human children? What's the next thing you can kind of parent Animals, puppies, and And that's why they're in every scene, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No,
2: you're wrong. And Dalton's right. Do
1: we, <laughs> do we then have hybrids? Human dogs, Gross. human cats. Gross. Yes. Um, Gross. My other one was, I can't pronounce the director's name Alfonso Quaron. Curion? I think there's a It's tip. just It's Cuarón, Yeah. Okay. It's uh, Curion. He's not Italian. <laughs> that's why you're um, in trouble. So he wanted to create an anti-Blade Runner dystopia, dystopian future filled with settings that audiences would be familiar with. It's funny I read that because while I'm watching it, it says 2027. I'm like, this is probably what, if it wasn't going bleak, as far as the technology goes and the settings go, I'm like, this isn't that far off with what, what it's probably going to be like. it stop developing Whereas, meetings, yeah, uh, you know, Blade students. Runner, I love that it's a work of art as well. It's a masterpiece, but it's so far-fetched futuristic that... It, that adds an element to the movie Absolutely. where this is like we want it all to be based in the characters don't take away from it just make it as realistic as we think it's going to be.
0: Definitely. Uh, Dalton, did you have any tidbits? No, I don't. I don't have any tidbits. <laughs> so, tidbits. <laughs> uh, so I had a couple. Um, my first one is that Michael Kane plays Jasper. Michael Kane. And he has said that he based the Jasper character on John Lennon who he was apparently friends with. There's a picture I of totally John Lennon that.
1: in Clive Owen's Bedroom, the poster on his wall.
0: Apparently, Michael Caine wasn't sure about how he was going to play the character because it's a very different character for Michael Caine.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Um, but once he got on like the wig and the outfit, he like uh, the director said he changed personality almost instantly. Um, Freaking brilliant. And uh, yeah, it's really good. The other thing, so we mentioned the book. It is based off of a book. In the book, just a little note. Same title. Uh, yeah. Also <laughs> so called Children of right. Men. Uh, in the book, the infertility is. On the men, not on the women. It's implied absolutely. to be on the women in the movie. Apparently, in the book, it's on the men. So, in the book, no key. Key is a original character to the film. Oh, uh, wow. Which is remarkable. I feel like that changes the movie quite a bit. So, so what do they
1: do in the book? What's the purpose? I've of never read
0: it. But maybe. Dalton will tell us. Yeah, we'll absolutely. have a, we'll yeah. a, a follow-up on Children of I Mid-Pot. feel like
1: you could find a gold member who could fit into the book, man. He's like this gold. <laughs> also,
2: again, on just far director far? love is... Michael Caine's death scene song is "Goodbye Ruby Tuesday" Rolling Stone. It is, oh, yeah. but it's sung by a different band. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah no, it's again. like a, it's a cover
0: or whatever. But it is, it is Cold. perfect for it's that chilly. moment. There's yeah. a number of, I think they're all not all the music, but there's a number of Beatles covers in this movie, and they're all they're all very good. The music yeah. is very good. Yeah. Mario mentioned it earlier. Um,
3: the music ahead. Something ahead. I actually took note yeah. of too was that that it was scored perfectly, like like or well, I guess that's not the score, but it it's it really sets, it helps set the scene in a lot of moments yeah. and, and that was one for me too was yeah. Goodbye Review. It helps cover. you oh feel how you should feel in the scene. Absolutely, exactly why he chose it yeah. how, Why how you yeah.
0: feel. And just for my own pride, I know it, there are Beatles covers. I know the Rolling Stones and Beatles are two different bands. I were there, were like there
1: Beatles covers? Because I, I there, love there's, the Beatles, I looked up I,
0: the soundtrack and a yeah. couple of songs were written by John and Paul. You should
1: never uh, look up that noise kind
0: of song that yeah. oh, I'm going to download that. Yeah. Horrible. It's
3: music as he called it. Horrible.
0: So, uh, last question, as always, does children of men belong in the junk drawer? Dalton?
3: I think it would, yeah. yeah. You do? Really? In my junk drawer, yeah. <laughs> I think I think it's pertinent. What it's about pertinent the,
1: film. you know, the general drunk junk drawer? You've listened to this pod before. You kind of understand yeah, why we... Probably
3: should... not, no. <laughs> probably not in your junk drawer, no. <laughs> okay.
2: Uh Cole? I also have this is not in the junk drawer. Well, not also, sorry. So in my opinion, it's not in the All junk contraire, drawer. Mon frere. On contraire. Uh, it's hard for me to picture the target market who's gonna buy this <laughs> yeah. excitedly. It's kind of similar to actually our impression from Watchmen where it's like, I like Watchmen just fine, but it's hard for me to picture somebody who's going to Walmart to be excited about finding Watchmen in the bin. Likewise, I don't know that somebody sees Children of Men in the Bin and is like, oh, awesome. I just found out what I'm doing Friday night. Now, I'm but you, watching. Did
1: you put Watchmen in the bin though? Or would you say that would be in the junk Drawer?
2: I said Watchmen would be in the junk Drawer okay. because it fits in the archetype of superhero movies in okay. general. Yeah. True, true. So I do not think Children of Men would be in the junk Drawer as it's, it's kind of too niche for yes. viewing audience.
1: Um, I agree with you. Um, <laughs> I've said this before. I've said this with 500 Days of Summer. I've said it with Cocktail. Too niche. I almost feel like they're art house films at times. Maybe not cocktail. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> like, they're more artsy films. You can see them at, like, cons or Toronto Film Festival. Um, no one, no one's scrambling to buy Children of Men. Oh, you got, like, a good after-day dystopian film? <laughs> yeah, right? Like, oh, what do you want to want? You want to come over Netflix and chill? Children of Men's on Netflix.
0: Yeah, and I completely agree. I think that this might be the best science fiction movie I've ever seen. And so, Oof. in that case...
1: Star Wars exists, man. I think it's better than
0: <laughs> a Star Wars movie. I'll say that right now.
1: Okay, you think it's it's a better I think film? it's a better movie than a yeah, Star Wars movie. Yeah, we don't like it better.
0: Yeah, I, I, there's probably more enjoyable moments in Star Wars movies than certain movies. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Like, lightsaber oh, okay. fights are objectively more fun yeah. to watch. <laughs> children children yeah, death? Children
2: death yeah. yeah. is <laughs> oh, no. That's a hard line.
0: So, uh, that is all we have for this week with Children of Men. I don't think we have the any sequel. funny taglines.
1: Kids of Women. Yeah, Mario
0: <laughs> hey. of course does last but not least we just want to thank Dalton for joining uh, us this thank, week. You. thank you Dalton
3: you're
1: very welcome thank very you for picking a friggin masterpiece absolutely, absolutely. we were due. I loved to we haven't done one since yeah. Daredevil yeah. Yeah. You, yeah, I agree
2: with Bryce's opening sentiment this is probably the best movie we have watched on the podcast although my score was low you're so yeah. I'm you're not honest. saying my score is going to be higher now I'm just getting better at reviewing movies oh well you're actually off the team pull my finger <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the junk drawer podcast if there's a movie that you want to hear us talk about then please reach out to us at ask the at gmail.com see you next time